0: We've reached the top three. It's our countdown of the 10 most noteworthy storylines from UNC athletics from the past academic year. Who's on the podium? (laughs) You're about to find out. You are locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us to make Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch every single day. You've joined us at a really good time. You everydayers, you already know this. Glad you're here. If you're new or if you're a visitor to the show, let me encourage you to go back and check out the past couple of days. Because right now, with it being the beginning of August, we're doing a countdown of what I have come up with as a top 10 list of the most noteworthy, big storylines of last academic year At North Carolina. So that entire 2022-23 season. This great football camp starts today. And so before we, I I know we're getting excited, we're looking ahead to all that, but before we fully give ourselves to 23-24, let's stop and look back. I think this is always so, so fun to be able to do. Now, keep in mind, I'm not saying these are the top 10 moments, like the most, uh, like the best moments or the championship moments, just my choices, Isaac's, not yours. And I say that because I'd love to know what yours are. And you probably feel differently than I do. Let me know. Love to hear it. But my choices for the top 10 impactful or noteworthy moments from last year, things that Made a big difference. They could be good, they could be bad, they could be changes to what's going on across the country or at Carolina, could just be a big storyline that meant a lot to me or something like that. And what's cool is, as I said, this is spread out across the last three episodes. So if you missed Mondays or Yesterdays, go check it out. I'm a link to it right up here. I'm a link to Tuesdays where we looked at numbers six through four, and you can also go back and catch 10 through seven. So today, we are going to get to the podium. Numbers three through one. I've also got a couple honorable mentions. Now, the rest of the week, here's how it's going to go down. Those of you that are with the show all the time, you know that in the summer, we're doing a basketball roster preview series. We've hit the freshman and sophomores tomorrow show. Coach Pat Kilby joins me to talk about upcoming junior transfer from Stanford, Harrison Ingram. And then on Friday's show, Coach Pack is going to be with us for a second show this week. It's awesome. And we're doing a summer pickup basketball draft of who we'd like to see come play with the Tar Heels and why in the summer. Make sure you tune in for that. It'll be a lot of fun. I've said it every show. I want to say it again for this one. Man, I've really enjoyed putting this list together. Just I've been going back and watching a lot of the footage and remembering things that happened. And as I always say, it's the agony and the ecstasy. Uh, right? Or I guess I should say, uh, for those of you listening, you don't know. I just went agony and put my hands up. Uh, agony would be down, and ecstasy would be up. Um, and, and every moment that comes in between those, because it's it's just what makes sports fun. Is the the mountains are better because you have the valleys, and the valleys are worse because you know what the mountain feels like. And uh, but but that's why we keep coming back. And because of the stories of the young men and women that played these sports, the coaches that coach them and, and everyone else that is involved. And so that's what we want to talk about. Well, going to be a fun thing today to get to our final three, number one, two, and three gold, silver, bronze. Let's start with the bronze medal and it's our guy, Armando Baycott. And the specific moment is that Armando became the UNC all-time leader in career rebounds and career double-doubles in the same game. Oh, and by the way, in that game, the Tar Heels beat NC State. So it was just a a coming together of a lot of really good things. And it's just a cool moment to be able to celebrate Armando Baycott. (laughs) So this was back on January 21st. Also loved it because that's just four days before my birthday. So I got to celebrate. Listen, here's the deal with Armando. This dude is legitimately cementing himself as one of the best and most beloved Tar Heels in Carolina history because of his, I mean, like from the get go, from the moment he committed to North Carolina and recruiting everyone in sight. And still doing it now because of the transfer portal, he's able to do that. He's getting people from other sports to come to Carolina. I mean, you just love to see it. This dude loves Carolina. And I think it's fair to say that Carolina loves Armando Baycott as well. And so here's the thing. Anytime you can find yourself at or near the top of anything in the Carolina basketball record book, you know, you've done something, you know, you've done something impressive, but to top everyone in terms of career rebounds and in terms of career double doubles and that's something wild and different right there. I mean, you, you just think of all the names that he has had to pass on the way to both of these records. And it's not like I know people have often clamored for asterisks for COVID eligibility stuff. Listen, this dude didn't, he's coming back for a fifth year, but he didn't need it to set these records. He did it in four years. And yes, I know it's a different type of Carolina team right now because Tyler Hansbrough had to contend with Deion Thompson or what you know what I'm saying? In in terms of rebounds and double doubles. But I mean, it it hasn't always been that way. Not not everyone in Carolina had to contend with that. And so I mean, you just you just gotta say, look what he did. He knocked this out, he did it. Armando Baycott is an absolute. Dude. So let's look at the rebound side of it first, then the double doubles, and we'll move on. So now, as of the end of last season, Armando has 1,335 career rebounds. He had 334 last year, 511 his junior year, as Carolina went to the national championship game, 227 his sophomore year, 263 his freshman year. (laughs) He is one of just 10 Tar Heels who have amassed a thousand or more career rebounds so specifically as we said he passed the record on january 21st carolina knocked off nc state that day 80 to 69 and of course it was tyler hansborough whose record he beat tyler's record was 1219 rebounds and in that game mondo had 23 points and 18 boards and it was that 17th rebound in which he passed tyler oh and by the way That game was also the 68th time in his career he amassed double-digit rebounds, a record he already held in terms of Carolina career, and now further extended. All right, the double-doubles side of this equation. Because in that same game, this is wild to me that this all culminated together at the same time. Armando recorded his 61st career double-double, passing Billy Cunningham's mark of 60. (laughs) Just wild and silly. I mean, and you probably remember Armando got off to a really slow start last year. It was like, what is happening? At least in in by his standard. And but finally started to pick it up and bring these together. Now, Armando, what he will not do in double doubles is come close to sniffing the 40 straight double doubles that Billy Cunningham had. That is just absolutely bonkers to me that he did that. The model of consistency. Now, here's the other thing about this NC State game. Don't forget, this was the same game. This game was chock-a-block full of stuff. This was the same game where um, Terquavion Smith had that breakaway, hard foul from Leaky, and Smith was down on the floor for a long time, had to be carted off just, I mean, for for safety's sake and for procedures and all that stuff. Thankfully, it was fine and was back playing. But, um, right, like that was all wrapped up in this same game then I'll never forget the image of Mondo and and Tyler Hainsborough at center court, just Tyler, uh, Tyler Hainsborough. I've, I've said over and over and over again, is my favorite Tar Heel of all time. And so uh, just, you know, you, I'm, I'm a record are meant to be broken type of guy. I love to see Tyler at the top of it, but I just think it's fun to see others coming along and being part of that. Now uh, we talked about that fifth year earlier and how Mondo doesn't need an asterisk. But it's fun to see what he can do with it, right? And so he's got this fifth year to see what he can do with both of these records. And I'm going to go on record right now with saying, I think that Armando Baycott is on the precipice of having an absolute monster fifth year in college. A couple reasons for that. Number one, there's just a different sense of urgency when you realize that it is your last year. And make no mistake, it is his last year. There is no more eligibility to be had. Uh, I mean, I guess if he, you know, please, dear goodness, don't let this happen, but went down with an injury season ending and could uh, apply for a waiver there or a a redshirt season, that could happen. But this is it. This is the end for Armando. So he realizes that. Number two, um, has all this fuel and energy coming off of what happened last year uh, I mean, even go back two years, all the fuel and energy coming off of losing the national championship, all the fuel and energy off of missing the tournament last year, Armando is driven and ready to go. And then thirdly, I think a reason Armando is going to have a monster year is Elliot Cadeau. Um, Armando has not had the a, a player, not of Elliot's caliber, but of his style and type that will be really beneficial for big men. And so I think Armando Baycott, more than anyone else on this roster, is going to benefit from what Elliot Cadeau does this season. Boy, oh boy, Armando Baycott, what a career he's had, and we get one more ride with it. Congrats on those records. That is number three for me on my list of the most, 10 most noteworthy things that happened last academic year in UNC sports. We're going to get to number two in just a second, that field hockey absolute wagon of a team that Karen Shelton continues to have. Man, got to talk about all their accolades once again. We'll do that in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you got to check out LinkedIn jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's easy to create a free job post and then you just add that job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Beyond that, you use simple tools like screening questions to help make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and then ultimately hire. Let's be honest, the right team member can have a positive and measurable impact on your business. All of this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Once again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Tar Heels your first listener watch every single day. I want to remind you that we've got a mailbag episode coming up in a couple of weeks, and would love to have your submissions for that. One of the cool new things you can do is I'm starting to ask people to send in video questions, so that we can find new ways to involve you through getting to see or see your face or hear your voice on the show. All you got to do is make a video of your listener or viewer question, 15 seconds or less. Give us your name, where you're from, and your question. We'll add it into the show or, you know, pick a lot. We probably won't be able to use all of them. But I also like to sprinkle those in throughout the year, even when we're not doing mailbag episodes. So go ahead and start sending those in and we'll populate them all and it'll be great. All right, moving to the silver medal position on our countdown. Man, we got to talk about field hockey. These ladies are an absolute, just dominant force. What what the women's soccer team was for so 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 long field hockey is now. I mean, it's it is wild, I tell you, wild. Undefeated national champions, and we gotta talk about Aaron Matson going from national championship again, graduation, and is now the new head coach. So kind of two storylines here together with the field hockey team. But they went 21-0 this past uh in in 20, it was actually 2021 during the season. Uh, 6-0 in conference play. Ended up beating Northwestern 2-1 to in the national championship, which was really cool because they had lost to Northwestern, in the na- in, not in the national championship, but in the tournament the year prior. Now, here's the thing. 21 matches for field hockey. Nine of them, nine of them, 42.9% were shutouts. <laughs> That's awesome. I love to see that. Here's another thing. You look in, it's like, oh, 21, cool. I I bet they had some hard matches. Okay, hang on, stop. 21 matches, 21 wins. 17 of those were against ranked opponents. 17 of their 21 matches were against ranked opponents. 10 of the 21 were against top 10 teams uh, and obviously beat them all five of the 21 were against top five teams. Can you imagine playing a full quarter of your schedule against top five teams in the land and smoking all of them? Cause that's what the Tar Heels did in field hockey last year. <laughs> I love it. I love it so hard. Um, I could go through the list of those. I'm not going to bore you with it. You can go and look at it, but I mean, it's, it's just insane. I, I wrote it all down cause I love to see it, but, um, And it's not just last year, right? This is a celebration at the end of Karen Shelton's career because that's a big part of this too. But this team has won four of the last five national championships in field hockey. In those four championship years, they've lost a grand total of one time. That's right. In three of the last five years, Carolina field hockey has gone undefeated. So in those last Four of the last five seasons, when they've won the national championship, they are combined 86 and one. It just befuddles me to think about that. Not only has these past, have they won four of the last five national championships, they've been in the championship 11 of the last 16 seasons, winning six of those. I mean, you just, you just have to marvel at what it has been now, obviously, a lot of what's happened recently is because of the team, but led by Aaron Matson. one all, f- all four of those last, you know, for the last five seasons, they won. She was part of all of those five ACC championships. She was a three time recipient of field hockey's version of the Heisman, basically three times not like national player of the year. There's only one ever one other player in women's field hockey NCAA history to do that three times. You know who it was? Her coach, Karen Shelton. Pretty cool stuff. And now <laughs> it's even cooler because she's replacing her. Erin Matson, all time leading scorer in ACC history, all time leading scorer in NCAA tournament history. This woman has won all the accolades, all the awards. Unbelievable. All the records. And now, as I've alluded to a couple times, there is a head coaching change. Karen Shelton retired in December after the national championship after 42 seasons. She started at Carolina as the head coach in 1981 as a 23-year-old. And this was her 10th national title. 25 ACC championships, the winningest coach in women's field hockey history. And now Aaron Matson does replace her becoming the fifth head coach. And here's the wacky storyline or timeline, excuse me, for Aaron Matson. The national championship game was Sunday, November 20th. She graduated on December 12th, less than a month later, and then was hired or it was announced, I should say, publicly as uh, Aaron Matson being the new head coach on January 31st. That is a three-month stretch right there, friends. <laughs> I guess actually just over two months, but across three separate months. And honestly, here's the thing. There is no reason to think this thing won't continue to roll right along because Aaron Matson couldn't do it by herself. Coach Karen Shelton couldn't coach it by herself. And so, I, I mean, this team should just keep right on doing what they're doing. Coach Shelton's not going anywhere. She's going to be able to help Aaron and keep things going. And so you'll love to see it. That's number two on our list we got to wrap things up with the team at the top of the podium. The women's tennis team finally bringing home that elusive NCAA outdoor team championship. They were dual champions, national champions this past season. Pretty cr- Well, and with some, we'll talk about it all in just a minute. And honorable mentions to boot from my top 10 list. All coming up in just a second. All right. Here we go. Let's wrap up this list of my top 10 most noteworthy items from UNC Athletics last academic year. Number one, the gold medal winners at the top of the podium is the women's tennis team and their national championships. So uh, seriously, all these national championships, they if, if you keep up with this at all, you know that the women's team has for a long time now dominated the ITA, which championships, which is the indoor championships that take place earlier in the spring. They've now won four straight and they've been in the championship nine straight seasons, nine straight seasons as one of the final two teams in the nation. Ridiculous. And they've won six of those. They've won six of the last nine and been the runner up in the other three. But the problem is the women haven't been quite able to do it at the end of the season with the NCAA championship, which is played outdoors. Uh, for those of you that aren't tennis players, it is a different type. I mean, it, it, it's still tennis, right? But the ball bounces differently, moves differently. Um, and and so it just kind of caters to different speed. And that's why you see different people winning like the French open on clay versus Wimbledon on grass and U S open and Aussie on hardcore. So that's that's where all of that comes into play. <laughs> but finally, the ladies this year got over the hump, won that NCAA championship and man barely dropped a point in the NCAA tournament. They won 4-0, 4-0, 4-1, 4-2, 4-0, 4-1. Never surrendered so many as three points. Two was the most they gave up on the run in the in, in the NCAA championships. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, you start in, in tennis at, at the NCAA level with three at least at the Division one level, because when I played tennis in NIA, we did it a little bit different. But at the Division one level, you play three doubles matches, um, and whoever, whichever team takes two of three of those wins one doubles point. And then you play six singles matches, best two out of three sets. And each of those is one point. <clears throat> and so it's basically like four out the best four out of seven, if you don't know how they go. So anyway, Carolina never surrendered more than two in, in the NCAA championship run. And their only loss all season long was unfortunately in the, in the ACC championship match. And even more unfortunately, that was against NC State, whom Carolina had beaten in the regular season. But it became all the more sweet. Do you know why? Because the team that Carolina beat in the national championship match was the Wolfpack. So Carolina avenged that sole loss this season. I mean, it was an absolute bonkers year for Fiona Crawley, who just seemingly won everything in sight. She won a bunch of stuff in the fall, won a bunch more here in the spring as well now what you also might not be aware of is there was another national championship and another runner-up for the tar heels because after this team event for the ncaa championships there's the singles draw and the doubles draw carolina just couldn't quite bring it together in singles but in doubles the champion the national championship doubles match was two tar heel teams It was Fiona Crawley and Carson Tanguilig against Reese Brantmeyer and Elizabeth Scotty, And man, it was a crazy match. Basically, the way it goes is um, in in the doubles port, like when it's team, they they don't play a full two out of three. But here um, you play two out of three. But if you go to a third, it's just like a super tiebreaker. And so uh, Crawley and Tanguilig won 6-1, lost 2-6, and then took that super tiebreaker 11-9. Uh, similar to the field hockey team, just handled ranked teams like it was their job. And oh, by the way, the vast majority of this team will all be back next season to just keep this train rolling. You love it. You love it. And you want to just keep seeing all this success for Coach Brian Calvis. Keep it going, ladies. Now, I promised you at the end of my top 10 list that I would give you a couple honorable mentions. Let me mention three of these really quick on the way out. Man, uh, mentioned the uh, just dominant program that women's soccer has been for so long. And you guys, they fell. It was so painful. 16 seconds short of a national championship. They played uh, UCLA in the title match. We're up 2-0 with like 10 minutes left. Right, Just right after that in like the 80th minute, UCLA scored to bring it within one. But still, it's like you got a one goal lead in soccer. You're feeling good. 16 seconds left. UCLA ties it up and then wins it in the second period of extra time. Uh, So, so, so painful. Second honorable mention is the wild and wacky game that was Carolina against App State down in Boone, North Carolina, the second game of the football season. I mean, this thing, if you watched it, you remember how wild it was. Sam Howell was there. Uh, I remember Drake may like ran a touchdown in and Sam was waiting like right where he ran. it. so cool. Um, just these pesky mountaineers, right? I I remember years ago, them knocking off Michigan and obviously they recently beat Carolina. Um, in this game, nobody could stop anybody. I mean, 63 to 61. That's a big 10 basketball score. (laughs) But unfortunately we said this on one of the other shows. I can't remember if it was, uh, in the second or first episode of this series, but we talked about this game a little bit. Carolina led by 20, 41 to 21, heading into the fourth quarter. App State scored four touchdowns in the first 11 minutes to tie the score at 49. Carolina scored one in there as well. And then the final three minutes of the game, each team scored two more touchdowns. I mean, it was the craziest fourth quarter I have ever seen. And you might even remember like the, uh, what I'll call an ill-advised Um, onside kick touchdown return from Bryson Nesbitt, who if he had just gone down, the game's over because you take a knee, App State can't call timeout and you get out of there. But um, thankfully, on both of those two touchdowns for App State in the fourth quarter, they went for two and Carolina was just able to stop them both times. So anyway, that's the second honorable mention is that was one of the craziest games I have ever seen in my life. And then the third honorable mention is the men's golf team. And I thought they had a national championship one as well. So the way... Um, The national championship goes is you play just like a a major in golf. You play four days um, of like everyone playing individual, but you tally all those scores for a team. After those four days, Carolina led the way. They were the number one seed. But basically what happens is you take those seeds and then you go into match play with the top um, eight teams left. So the next day you play the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Carolina beat Arizona State in the quarterfinals, which is awesome because they were essentially playing on their home course and then uh, lost the Tar Heels did to Georgia Tech in the semis. And it's just it just is what it is. such a difficult national championship to win. I really thought Carolina was going to get it, but didn't quite. So, uh, man, once again, this has been such a fun list to put together. I hope you have enjoyed going back through memory lane uh, right here at the beginning of August as we get into the month that leads us up to fall sports kicking off, man. It's going to be so, so much fun. Again, I'd love to know your list. What do you agree with me on? What do you disagree with me on? What would your list look like? That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks again for joining us. Tomorrow, Pat Kilby will be with us. We're talking Harrison Ingram and previewing him ahead of next season. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. If you want to email the show, Locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com. Com. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and again, leave your comments. Hey, I want to remind you it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. We'll talk again tomorrow, but until then, peace!